Tonight on the KRBD Evening Report, Ketchikan Harbor users are facing steep new rates, plus how Petersburg is addressing the youth mental health crisis, and crate diving for rare Alaskan music history. Stay with us. First, a look at the local weather forecast. A special weather statement was issued today for widespread snow across the Alaska Panhandle late Sunday into Monday. Tonight, though, we can expect widespread rain and snow showers, though no snow accumulation. Lows around 30, northwest winds 10 miles per hour. Saturday, partly cloudy, highs in the mid-30s, northwest winds 10 miles per hour. Saturday night, partly cloudy, lows in the mid-20s, light winds. And Sunday, cloudy, highs around 30, southeast winds 10 miles per hour. You're listening to the KRBD Evening Report. I'm your host, Jack Darrell. Ketchikan City Council last night approved a hike in rates and usage fees for the city-owned harbors. The proposal was introduced in early December to considerable outcry from harbor users. Peter Neville Johnson, a commercial fisherman, says that after a rough year in the seafood market and news of the expected sale of the local Trident Seafoods plant, these increased fees could sink the fishing fleet. And that is just not, not acceptable in my business, you know. Fishing has not been very good the last couple of years. You know, um, I have to look at my bottom line. Okay, uh, some of the people like me, we're going to be going elsewhere. Instead of money being spent in Ketchikan, I'm going to be paying for mortgage in some other harbor. The rate change was catalyzed by a study commissioned by Port and Harbors in 2023. The study into harbor rates determined that, essentially, for the city-owned harbors to break even, annual revenue needed to be in the range of $2.5 million. That's roughly 60% more than the annual revenue in 2022. In a memo preceding the city council vote, Port and Harbors Director Dan Berg and Operations Coordinator James Wilson explained that The current low rates have kept the harbor on a shoestring budget and delayed necessary maintenance. The memo stated that, quote, along with inflation and the cost of materials rising, the harbor at its current rates is not sustainable, end quote. At Thursday's regular meeting, city council members approved the rate and fee increases with a vote of 5 to 2. Rates of anxiety, depression, and youth suicide are up nationwide, according to an advisory on youth mental health released by the U.S. Surgeon General. The same is true for Alaska. In Petersburg, the local medical center is training community members to help youth in crisis, and they're providing all the training free of charge. KFSK's Hannah Floor has the story. Sign or symptom that starts with an A. More than 20 people fill a conference room at Petersburg's Fire Hall on a Saturday in December. How would it be? They're here for an eight-hour training in youth mental health first aid. They're listing off signs and symptoms of kids in crisis in alphabetical order. G. Sign or symptom with a G. That's Katie Homeland. She's co-founder of Kinderskog, an after-school outdoor program for kids. And she's one of the facilitators of the training. She says she knows conversations with youth in crisis are hard. But she says talking about it can save lives. Hopefully, with this training, more adults will be willing to lean into those hard conversations because it's not going to be easy either way. But hopefully, at the end of the day, we still have that one young person. According to a recent report from the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, one in five high school students say they seriously considered suicide in 2021. Alaska has the second highest rate of suicide deaths in the nation. And suicide is the second leading cause of death for young people in Alaska. 
It's hard to know what the numbers are in Petersburg because federal law protects the privacy of patients. That means that providers can't share information that could identify someone. So the state releases public health data by grouping rural areas or small towns together. Becky Turland is the community wellness specialist at Petersburg Medical Center, and she's another facilitator. She says we should take those national and statewide numbers seriously because... Petersburg is no different. People in the training are learning how to recognize the signs and symptoms that a kid is facing a mental health challenge. Those challenges include anxiety, depression, eating disorders, substance use, and attention deficit disorder. They're learning how to respond to those signs and symptoms and how to connect kids to the resources that are available. But they won't be diagnosing anyone. That's left to the professionals. Turlin says it's a little like the difference between emergency responders and doctors. We arrive on the ambulance. We're not there to diagnose anything. We could say, ooh, that might look like it. Holmland says sometimes the best response is just to listen. Listening non-judgmentally and giving reassurance, like those are daily skills. Other times, Holmland says, the young person needs to be connected with professional help. Getting concrete help for a problem is an example of something called a protective factor. All kids face difficulties to one degree or another. But protective factors can make those difficulties manageable. Protective factors are like the really good things that we can be doing to support and balance out and create resilient and strong kids. Angie says that a sense of belonging is one of those important protective factors. She hopes that these trainings can help build that for Petersburg's young people by creating a wider network of adults that talk about difficulties with kids. This training is the first of four that the medical center plans to hold. They're made possible by a $10,000 grant from the Petersburg Community Foundation. That paid for Turland and Homeland to get certified as facilitators. It also pays for some of their time leading the trainings. Elementary school teacher Jolie Norman is taking the training. She says she learned that kids as young as her first graders can show signs of anxiety. It's pretty scary to know at that young they're already experiencing something like that when they don't even understand the emotions that they have. She says she'll be looking for signs of anxiety, like trouble focusing and irritability, with the kids in her class. Making sure I'm prioritizing social-emotional learning in my classroom and really giving my students the tools to self-regulate themselves before there's any type of crisis or know how to reach out to somebody for help. The next two trainings are just for employees in the school district. The district will pay their staff to attend using money from professional development grants. But Homeland and Turland will run another one for the wider community. Homeland encourages anyone who comes into contact with kids to sign up. The more adults within our community, the stronger that safety net is. So if I'm not able to reach out to a youth about a situation they're experiencing, maybe I can reach out to Becky and say, hey, could you check in on so-and-so? Or we'll have this, like, beautiful network of people that we can reach out to and make sure our kids are supported. The community-wide training is scheduled for mid-April. In Petersburg, I'm Hannah Floor. When it comes to understanding the history of Alaska, the music of the state's varied landscapes from the Aleutians to Ukiagvik to Ketchikan has many stories to tell. Anchorage-based artist and educator Jimmy Reardon is on a years-long journey to digitize and catalog this rich history. And he stopped through Bethel recently to spin records and empower others to preserve the past. KYUK's Evan Erickson met up with Reardon to see some of the historical gems he had brought along and some he was able to uncover. Audio input capture. Mic auxiliary, I don't want that. 
At the Cultural Center in Bethel in early December, Jimmy Reardon stands behind tables piled with an odd assortment of weathered cassettes, VHS tapes, records, and recording equipment that comprise his pop-up digitization station. So look at this. We have dissected and are reassembling it. Wow. So we can, get, so we can try to get both sides. Wow. I hadn't done this since like 1998 when I was in high school. <laughs> Cindy Andercheck, who moved to Bethel in 1975, stops by to check up on some old tapes containing radio sketches and promos from the early days of KYUK that she dropped off. Like in the 70s, there was a fellow here named Jim Barker. Jim has a very quirky sense of humor, and he and another fellow named Peter Twitchell in those days put together these KYUK promos, and they're absolutely hysterical. One is a honey bucket dump contest. They start the truck and drive it quickly as they can up to the line. Stop the engine, get out, and one person hands up the bucket to the other and the dump is made. On the first night of his trip to Bethel during the annual Winterfest hosted by the library, Reardon set up an Alaska listening station in the hallway of the Cultural Center, DJing vinyl from his wide-ranging collection of Alaskana and getting the word out about his digitization station. When we were doing the listening station on Friday, um, I was playing a record by this group called PLP that in the late 80s. They were like hip-hop group out of Fairbanks. They were all in the military on base up there. Born and bred in a uniform, we live in 2206, that's the dawn. We come from around, but now we are united. For longtime Bethel resident Susan Taylor, hearing PLP sparked a memory of another rare Alaska hip-hop record collecting dust back at her home. It had been given to her by an old friend, the father of one of the members of a group called the Prohibited by Law Regiment. I'm a lyrical barricade, your four plays in valor because the Vicks step. He gave it to me because his, his son and their friends came up with it, and we were good friends. Your dad would come out and work on office equipment and stuff. call for backup. Taylor offered to sell the Prohibited by Law Regiment record to Reardon, and he was more than happy to pay out of pocket for the early 90s Anchorage gem. The record is destined to become part of a project Reardon calls the Joe Jim Paul Fan Club. It's an audio digitizing and cataloging effort he launched in 2018 focused on Alaska records, especially from the Yukon-Kuskokwim Delta, like those of the late Joe Jim Paul himself, born near the coastal village of Kipnuk. One of the reasons I call the project the Joe Jim Paul Fan Club is because at one point I came across um, Joe Jim Paul's Eskimo song stories and country music. It's a really spectacular recording and beyond just its connection to Alaska, I really enjoyed it and I wanted to learn more about his music, and that sort of corresponded with a time that I had started to come out to Bethel a little bit more for some other work. Reardon grew up in Anchorage in a time before music streaming services, combing through thrift store record racks for whatever he could get his hands on. And you start to notice things that are from Alaska, like obviously from Alaska, popping up in those racks, and so at a certain point, I started just buying those if I saw them, just because it seemed like a, kind of a fun thing to do. The Joe Jim Paul Fan Club has grown steadily over the years to comprise more than 300 vinyl records. They include some of the first Western Alaska gospel recordings, like those of the Henry Shavings family from Nunavak Island, the Southeast Alaska clinket folk of Richard Dick, and the Nelson Island sounds of John Angayak, sung in Yupik. Lost in the City by John Angayak, as far as like distribution, is probably one of the Alaskan recordings that's had the furthest distribution 
out of most anything. That record is really near and dear to me. I, I think it's a it's a beautiful record. Reardon also brought along some more contemporary cuts, some from the Anchorage music scene of the 70s and 80s. There was like Snow White, which was a kind of hair metal band that put out a EP for their upcoming album that never happened, that had, you know, songs on one side. And then those same songs playing in reverse on the other side to take up space. There's Windflower, which in the 70s was a psychedelic sort of folk band that all the members of the band were also members of the Anchorage Baha'i Church. On his last day in Bethel, Reardon said he felt like his Winterfest visit had been a success. He said he was inspired to channel the support he receives as an artist into increased projects aimed at preserving the past. Like if we were able to go and show some people how to do it and bring the technology, which is not expensive technology, that like all of a sudden those recordings wouldn't have to leave um, where they're from. Whether it be to continue his archival work, offer up various DIY workshops, or even unearth a rare Anchorage hip hop record, Reardon is already busy setting plans for his next creative and educational endeavors in Bethel and across the YK Delta. In Bethel, I'm Evan Erickson. That's all for tonight's edition of the KRBD Evening Report. You can get the show wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get it on your smart speaker. Just ask it to play the KRBD Evening Report. Thanks for listening. I've been your host, Jack Darrell.